0: Grace and peace
1: to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our sermon is recorded by the evangelist Mark in his gospel in chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. They went into a house. A crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat a meal. When his own people heard this, they went out to take control of him because they were saying, He is out of his mind. The experts in the law who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He's possessed by Beelzebul, and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus called them together and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. On the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possessions, unless he ties up the strong man first, then he can plunder his house. Amen, I tell you, everything will be forgiven people, their sins and whatever blasphemies they may speak. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus said this because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers arrived. While they were standing outside, they sent word to Jesus calling for him. A crowd was sitting around him. They began to tell him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. He replied, who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those who sat around him in a circle and he said, look, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Crowds are following Jesus that he's pressed so much that he and the disciples can't even fit into a house and get a bite to eat. And this whole entire text takes place over several days. Although if you hear about that pressing, you might immediately think that it happened in a few minutes. But in that process, some scribes, they read the word of God. They studied it. They copied it. They come along and they come along to find something wrong to accuse Jesus with They're working against him. And we can miss it, but in the inspired Greek language, in verse 21, we're told when his people heard this, that's his relatives, by the way, they went out to take control of him. And the way we translate that to take control of him, in modern day English, we could also translate that as to forcibly restrain him. Now, if you're ready to use force to stop someone's preaching, you are working against him. Why is it? that some of those people who we know include his mother, why is it that they are saved and others are damned? Is it like our politicians who've made the news today, who took care of their families first and got them the vaccine? Is it, I'm God and I'm going to take care of my family? Is there something more to this? I'm going to tell you there's something more to it. It's not God playing favorites. And so today we'll ask the question, why are some of those working against Christ saved and others damned? And we're told the experts in the law who came down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by Beelzebul and he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. They had come from Jerusalem to find something to say against him. They had the scriptures They could see where Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. We can rewind to that time when Jesus appears to Nicodemus uh, and talks to him. And Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus says, we know that you are from God because no one who is sent from, from God, no one who can do the miracles that you are doing unless they're sent from God. But these men didn't care that he was sent from God and that his miracles were showing he's from God. They were gonna discredit him. They were sent by the scribes, by the Pharisees, to do so. So there's a problem, and in fact, one of the blasphemies is in that term when they say he's possessed by Beelzebul. The Philistines, there was five Philistine cities. The ones of Akron worshipped a god uh, called Beelzebul. You hear Bel in there. I mean, that was one of the false gods the Canaanites worshipped. But archaeologists have found golden flies. Beelzebul was a God of flies. In other words, of pestilence, because when you have people starving and pestilence, you have flies. And so the idea was they worshiped this God. If you had disease, you know, like today, if you had COVID, then you would worship this God because he was the, god of, the false God of pestilence. But it seems that there was a bit of a joke that the, that the uh, Sanhedrin and that the Jewish experts used with this Because what else do flies gather around? They gather around manure. And this, the way they say this in the Greek language seems to be he's possessed by the God of dung, of manure. But it could also be translated the God of the domain of the house. Either way, ultimately, there's an insult there. And then they say he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. And we know who that is. Jesus even gets it, it's Satan. They're saying he drives out demons by Satan. Now, There are times, and for example, animistic religions where you get shaman, where people think they've got a bad spirit and he drives them out. Isn't that Satan driving out Satan? There's a little bit difference there. Just like when Moses threw down his staff and it became a snake, but by the power of Satan, although they thought it was by their false gods, the Egyptians were able to do the same. Then Moses' snake ate theirs. See, the devil actually doesn't care what you believe. He'll let you believe anything. So long as you do not believe 100% that Jesus did all of the work for your salvation. In fact, the devil's quite happy when Christians think things like do your best and then God will do the rest or you work to earn your salvation and if you have not done enough repentance, it's okay, you can suffer in a hell-like atmosphere and then you'll get to heaven because in any of those, you're not trusting 100% that true God became true man and did all the work for your salvation as long as he can get you to lean a little bit on yourself or on anything else. So like with animistic religions and stuff, shaman can drive out, Bad uh, spirits, or make people think that the devil plays that game because it makes them think there's something other than God. But Jesus, here by the words he uses, it's very clear he has driven out so many demons. He is waging a war against the devil. He's made too strong of a a dent. So when they say he's possessed by uh, the the Lord of the Dung Heap, uh, by a demon, and that he drives out uh, demons by the power of Satan. They're really blaspheming against the work of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus points out their problem. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. A perfect example of what he's saying is the American Civil War. Every bullet fired. Every man who was shot was an American. Everybody killed was an American in that war. And if a country like Britain or France wanted to come in and conquer America, all they would have to do is wait until the time where one party got weak enough to surrender to the other and then move in. Abraham Lincoln was a brilliant politician in recognizing this and doing everything he could to preserve the Union. Because a kingdom divided against itself, everybody killed, is a member of that kingdom. It's eating itself up. It's destroying itself. And Jesus brings home that point even clearer. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In those days, it used to be that when sons got married, they, there was kind of a central rotunda like a living room or an atrium, and they built their houses onto that. But if Papa shoots the son and the son's shooting at Papa, that's it, boom, the family line dies. If Satan is working against himself because Jesus was making such deep inroads, driving out these demons and stuff, then he's only destroying himself. And he says, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is finished. You can almost translate the Greek language there. Owns his own termination. That's how ridiculous this charge is. And in fact, we want to recognize that, that those who work against the Lord in unbelief today, and we can take a look at, example, atheism. Most atheists have embraced evolution, the idea that our ancestors stopped flinging feces at each other and came down from trees. They have to believe that. They will believe anything but the scriptures and so unbelief itself, if we take a look at it, while unbelievers accuse Christians of being irrational, if you take a look at the accusations they make, like Jesus is showing with these men, how would Satan divided against himself, not be owning his own destruction, such as the folly of unbelief? But Jesus continues and says, on the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possessions unless he ties up the strong man first, then he can plunder his house. Oh, a thief who's very sneaky can pick the lock on your house in the middle of the night and be really quiet, and come in and maybe sneak away with one thing. But if he wants to have, be able to rifle through all your possessions and pick out everything he wants, he's got to get you out of the picture, right? And this is what Jesus is doing, because in our natural condition, we are slaves to the devil. That's original sin. You cannot love God or serve him in that because you are enslaved to the devil. But God sends his Holy Spirit working through that message that you have a savior and he's brought you to faith. How did did Jesus plunder the devil? The irony is there he used the devil against himself. The devil thought that Judas willingly loving money more than his Lord, that he could use his greed The devil thought he could use the Sanhedrin's rejection of the Savior. The devil thought he could use the spinelessness of Pontius Pilate to get Jesus murdered on the cross. The devil didn't realize it was by that very cross that Jesus would spill his blood and remove our sins, suffer the abandonment of God for us, that is hell, and purchase and win you. This is where Jesus actually bound up the devil. And in fact, there's a beautiful picture that the Apostle John gives in his revelation in chapter 20, where Jesus is compared to an angel from heaven throwing the dragon, which it specifically says is Satan out of heaven and saying he has been bound for a thousand years. The name Satan means accuser. Satan comes and accuses you of your sins. He says, look, God, I get that one back. That one is sinned. And God says, I don't know what you're talking about. I see my son's blood. I see my son's righteousness. The devil has been chained like a junkyard dog now so that he cannot hurt you unless you step within the confines of his chain. Oh, then he'll grab you and drag you in. Now, that revelation also makes it clear that right before Christ returns, the devil will be allowed to run amok for a short period of time. But he accuses you, oh, he can't. He tries to drag you back in, but as long as you stay outside of his chain, he entices you into his chain with sin. Embrace this sin, love this sin, let it have the place of the word of God. And that's what the scribes are doing. They know what God's word has to say, but they're working against it. They know that Christ fulfills what the, the signs of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And instead, they blasphemy him. They say he does this by the power of devil. So Jesus warns them. He says, amen, I tell you, everything will be forgiven, people. Their sins and whatever blasphemies they speak. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus said this because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. God's word makes it clear. John three sixteen, 16, where Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave His ever, his only begotten son that whoever believes in him has everlasting life. See, it's by faith that you receive the blood of Christ. And faith is not a decision you make. Faith is the work of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus told Nicodemus a few verses prior to John three sixteen. flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit. So the Holy Spirit works through the message that God became a man to live perfectly for you and, and suffer the punishment for your sins, to take you away from Satan, virtually violently from Satan. Not that you're involved in the violence, but Satan took a beating on that cross And the Holy Spirit works that message to give birth to your new man who's now engrafted to Christ to give the faith to you. So when the Holy Spirit is working through that word, if a person is resisting it and blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit, slandering it, saying things like, oh, this is by the power of the devil, especially when they know they're doing it, then they're driving the Holy Spirit out of their heart. And if you don't have faith, then you don't receive the blood of Christ. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. The only thing that damns a person to hell is rejecting it. That's unbelief. By faith, the new man that God has created in you has it. It's your possession now. So some of these scribes would become believers. Or at least we can guess that because we are told in Acts that some scribes came to faith. But Jesus warns them here, you are on your way to rejecting, to denying that Holy Spirit. So we see this is why they would end up, many of them, damned. But what about his mother and his brothers? Now, I wanna say that In the medieval ages, work righteousness became very prevalent in the Christian church and Mary was elevated to co-redemptress and that involved the need for her to be an, an eternal virgin. So people always say, oh, this has gotta be his cousins. But when you remove the medieval false theology, there's no reason to believe that this isn't Mary and what would be half brothers of Jesus Before Adam and Eve fell into sin, God had already given them the intimacy of intercourse, saying, be fruitful and multiply. And it was a blessing. Why would God withhold that from Joseph and Mary after Jesus was born? So with that out of the way we're told, when his own people heard this, they went out to take control of him. Again, that would be forcibly restraining him because they were saying he's out of his mind. He's crazy, he's nuts. That was verse 21. Then verse 31, we're told, then his mother and brothers arrived. While they were standing outside, they sent word to Jesus calling for him. Let's call him out of the house and then we'll forcibly grab him and drag him back home. How can Mary take part in this? It's very easy to understand this, that for example, Mary knew because she knew she was a virgin. She knew that angel Gabriel appeared to her. She sang a song rejoicing that her savior had been conceived. But she could be confused like you and I. For example, when her and Joseph left Jesus behind when he was 12 years old, the last place they thought to look should have been the first place, the temple where he would be learning the word of God. Perhaps Mary and his brothers simply are thinking, boy, he's really making the Sanhedrin man, they're even sending the scribes out after him. He needs our help. And how sad is it when Christians think the same thing? Ooh, this part of the word of God, it's so embarrassing. God needs our help. Lots of times God lists the sins of Abraham and David and people like that to show even they were sinners who needed a savior. So when we think God needs our help, we'd better step back, right? They were confused. Confused like This guy named Saul who was actually persecuting Christians, hunting them down and arresting them to have them killed. But he had not blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. He had not hardened his heart. And to blasphemy the Holy Spirit like that, you have to work really hard against the Holy Spirit to drive him out and away from you. And you have to do it a lot persistently. That guy hadn't done it. As he himself says in his epistles, I sinned out of ignorance. Jesus stopped him and gave him faith and he becomes the apostle Paul. And we know with Jesus' mother and his brothers here, we know, for example, his, we'll say half-brother, James, he becomes an outstanding leader in the early Christian church. And Jesus knows he's gonna become one of the early martyrs. It's why when he's on the cross, he asks his best friend, John, the apostle John, to take care of his mother, because is, is, John's gonna outlive James by a long time. So in their case, yes, they were sitting and working against the Lord, maybe even think they were helping him, but they were not rejecting him, hardening their hearts in unbelief. What about you? Verse 32, a crowd was sitting around him. They began to tell him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. He replied, who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those who sat around him in a circle and he said, look, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Now, notice we're never told up till this point that any of his sisters were present. They'd be half sisters. The point Jesus is making is whether you're male or female, you're his relative when you do the will of God. Now, our mind gets confused and we think, do the will of God. Okay, I do the Ten Commandments by my power. But again, the Holy Spirit comes this is, and he creates faith. And when you have that new man, that new man, that new person is engrafted to Christ. That person is saved and holy, even though you have a sinful nature now. So doing the will of God, of course, yes, that's the 10 commandments, but God has to give you the new person who's created to do the will of God. That person is holy. And when that person struggles against the sinful nature that's gonna be with you and I until the day God calls us to heaven or he returns, whichever comes first, that's doing the will of God. And when that person trusts in Christ for forgiveness, that's doing the will of God. And let us not forget the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, starting verse 19, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything, not pick and choose, everything I've commanded you. That's the whole word of God. And so when you... Share the word of God. When you come to the word of God and and, and your faith is nourished and you trust in the forgiveness of sins by that nourishment of faith, by the faith that the Holy Spirit has created. When you share that with others, when you dig into the word of God so you can apply it to your neighbor, you're doing the will of God. And just like Abraham, the true children of Abraham, the Bible tells us, are not those who were his by physical descent although it can be, it's actually those who have faith like Abraham. Although we're sinners, we're engrafted to Christ and with our new man, because of the Holy Spirit giving birth to that new man, we do do the will of God. So let me wrap up our sermon with a reminder of verse 27. On the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possessions unless he ties up the strong man first. Then he can plunder his house. You, in your natural condition, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, We're a slave to the devil. But Jesus took on human flesh for you. He beat the stuffing out of that devil and he took you away and said, this one is mine. And by the faith the Holy Spirit created, he gave birth to a new man in you that loves the will of the Lord and does it and clings to it. And therefore you are Christ's brother and his sister. You are his relative. He plundered the devil to save you. So... Why were some of those working against Christ saved and others damned? Because some would drive the Holy Spirit away and deny his work, which creates the faith that clings to Christ, which is the new man. Others were sinning out of ignorance, but that new man was either there or would be there later, and they did not drive the Holy Spirit away as it is with you and I today, who are Christ's brothers and sisters due to his work. Amen. And now the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.